This is Jackie Naaman Jones, and this is Jackie's Hand of Horror. Today, I bring you my co-host, Tanya Atomic. Hello. And Rachel Jackson. Aloha. <laughs> Today's subject is a big furry guy that we call Bigfoot. Bigfoot. So today on Bigfoot Time, uh, for our <laughs> for movie trailer review, we did the 1976 Curse of Bigfoot. And to tell you the truth, we tried to watch two different trailers and we couldn't make it through either one of them. <laughs> Not even through the trailers. And I have to tell you, this film was Riff, uh, Riff Tracks had, had done it and uh we were watching the unrift trailer it's really really bad and just like uh the other movie that we reviewed today i was in this film as well in high school uh just one little scene but it is one of my claims to fame <laughs> yeah are there any movies about bigfoot that you're not in jackie uh, no actually oh, okay, I, yeah we've got a lot more so it's gonna be a long night uh, no no i'm kidding <laughs> that's it for my bigfoot career yeah i was gonna say i i felt like this is a movie that would have been like a rift movie yes mystery science theater or something like that like long boring pauses things that yeah. you know theme seemed thrown together i mean just from the trailer yeah um, it's horrible. just in the trailer just there in the trailer like the trailer was too long like not only would i not watch this movie i i would not recommend watching the trailer we're going to give you the link don't click on it yeah this is yeah. not good well, the trailer. It, it's your choice but two uh yeah it's too much this one's painful it's really painful mm-hmm. i personally even though i was i was in a very small scene the classroom scene I have to admit, I have never seen the entire film. Have you not? Because it's on YouTube, too, so we could watch that right now. No, no, (laughs) no. I tried. No. Couldn't get through it. No. (laughs) So my least, my my most favorite, least favorite thing about the trailer was that the guy hunting in the woods who had a stocking cap on that had obviously never been worn before. Uh. Such a tiny detail that, like, so, so... They paid no attention to any details whatsoever. Pacing, cinematography, wardrobe. No, because yeah. there's a scene in there where you do see the Bigfoot closer, and I've always described him as uh, a guy in a meat suit. Because <laughs> oh, it wow. looks like he's wearing raw meat rather than fur. Mm. It's weird. So weird. anyway, we've talked. That makes me want to see the movie. Oh. A meat suit? <laughs> you know what? We've, Gosh, why? We've already <laughs> we've talked twice as long about this film as, as we could even watch the trailer. I think that's... That's funny in itself. There. <laughs> so we definitely do not recommend this movie. And if you mm-hmm. watch it, you really don't have to tell us anything about it. Yeah. We're good. Our movie trailer review is Primal Rage, The Legend of Oma. It's a 2018 film just released. And... We watched the trailer. It's hard for me to be objective on this because <laughs> I was actually in this film. <laughs> Just a very small part. But the cool thing is uh, my ex-husband, my children, my grandchildren, I got my whole family involved because I got to be a location coordinator on a couple of scenes. Now, and... correct me if I'm wrong, but I did not see any of you in the trailer. No. Okay. No, not that scene. That's okay. not in there. Because, uh Yeah. Because it's so special. Right. No. <laughs> you got to go see the movie if you, you want to see Jackie's That's face. That's right. And Jackie's family's faces. <laughs> I want to say, for starters, and this is unusual because I love trailers, um, this trailer turned me off with the words in the middle of it. Oh. That you think you know the story. Cutting in between. Yeah. Think again. It's like, okay. oh, for God. Okay, A of all, I don't think I know the story because I've not heard of Oma. Um, and I, I actually know... I know squat about Sasquatch, except that he's supposedly around here where we live. So, uh-huh. so it was like assuming some stuff, but okay. in a snotty way that I didn't like. <laughs> so the wording put you off. It did. Put you off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm still going to see it because you're in it. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> if it were just the trailer, I might be kind of like, mm, I see. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to say it seemed like, I mean, it seemed like more of a serious one than the ones we've, we've been seeing a lot of tongue in cheek kind of mm-hmm. ones. And I wasn't sure, you know, where it was going, but every once in a while they'll cut to some crazy special effects thing 
that yes. looked so cool. Mm-hmm. And um, when it did that, I was like, wait, what's that? I want to see this. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, so. we have sort of like a still shot of one of the close-ups of one of the creatures. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's awesome. Yeah. I have to say the the costuming, the, 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 it, it is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Patrick Maggie, who did this film, spent like six years building that. He's worked on so many films like Alien vs. Predator and um, the, uh, what was the one with Jim Carrey, the... Dr. Yeah. Seuss film. Oh, Cat in the Hat. He did, yeah. Oh, he, all right. He, wow. Uh, no, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Oh, the other one. He did yeah. the, all the makeup, oh, the makeup, the makeup you know, yeah. costuming. So anyway, he's uh, very, very talented, and I, I agree with you on the trailer. It doesn't show what that film really is, but it's it is a very serious film, and I I like it, and not just because I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I might get the tone and then i feel like they show you enough of the little like like whoa these cool creatures yeah but not very much yeah yeah there just were enough lots to of... let you know they were there yeah yeah i agree with that um so yeah the the cool creature makeup might be enough to outweigh the other stuff for me yeah okay. i'm gonna see it anyway Well, hi, here we are back for our, with our Bigfoot episode. And uh, first thing we're going to talk about is our idea section, our forefinger. And for that today, we have Nudia Aguilar as one of our new co-hosts. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> so today for this segment, we're going <laughs> to talk about how best to photograph Bigfoot in the wild. Now, uh, I know I've done a little bit of research. How about you guys? Um, Got any good ideas? Well, I guess one of the best ways is to find out where Bigfoot would be. Like, where's the environment that you'd find Bigfoot and kind of stalk that out and learn as much as you can about Bigfoot's um, natural habits? Yeah. In fact, I found a website uh, about a guy... What was it called? Oh, it's, the book is called Wildlife Photography, Advanced Film Technique for Tracking Elusive Animals. I'm sure the title took up the entire cover, but uh, <laughs> but he had some really good tips. You know, one thing, uh, like you just said, uh, you identify the target-rich environment, researching habits of target species, Ooh, I like this tracking and calling technique. I skimmed through that. Um, you sent yeah. us the link. Um, my my favorite idea in there was um, having a decoy animal to <laughs> lure in whatever animal you're trying to catch. Like like what? Your dog? I don't mean like prey animal. I mean like in the case of a Bigfoot, I, I'm thinking I would build a Bigfoot shaped decoy sort of thingy. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe a lady Bigfoot if we were trying to capture a man Bigfoot or a man Bigfoot or a, a gender fluid Bigfoot. I don't I really know yes, about Bigfoot's okay. gender orientation. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's what yeah, I, I was going to say. Prior to everything, I think we need to find him, her, or it. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, proving existence would be the first step, I mm-hmm. suppose. But that's part of the reason for, for attempting to photograph such a feature. <laughs> I mean, we're in luck where we live up here. It's uh, supposedly Washington State and Oregon State are are Bigfoot central. So, so these are the Bigfoot rich environments up here. Yes, yes, in theory. Yeah. Also, a lot of beardy guys in beanie caps. Those are not Bigfoot. <laughs> Do not be confused. Right. Oh yeah, don't get those mixed up. And actually, however, we have different countries' version of Bigfoot, like in Mexico, the chupacabra. Right. right. And Sasquatch. Right. Yes. Right. Or Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. He's also known as Sasquatch. The, uh, right. the abominable snowman really needs to work out a little bit more. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna take pictures of either of the snow beasts though, because I don't like being cold. So so yeah. But that's where he lives. So, you know, there's a guy in my town that's about probably six six and um he kind of looks like Bigfoot. He's a logger too. He spends <laughs> a lot of time in the woods. See, he could be our decoy, Jackie. He could. Um, now, something something definitely worth thinking about is um, pop culture leads me to believe that that one of the best ways to lure a Bigfoot into your photograph area would be with a, a bag of beef jerky. Oh, really? There are all those commercials that are uh, messing with Sasquatch. Oh, okay. oh man. Yeah. Yeah. 
What else? That makes me think they like beef jerky. Well, okay. Maybe he's vegetarian. He could be. We're, we're going to need beef jerky for me anyway if we're dragging <laughs> yeah, out right? to the woods yeah. for several hours. Okay, for the photographer. Okay, I, I got that. So, <laughs> the real task, I think, is put a beef jerky out on a blanket or a napkin and put a giant box with a stick. Yeah. And see if we can catch one. Then we'd know for oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll leave it to you guys I'm... and you bring back the pictures, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so you're sending us to the wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're making me... Can, can you send your lumberjack friend, too? He, he can protect us with his yeah. axe. Oh, sure. Yeah. I've, I've seen that guy with a chainsaw and, uh, yeah, he's, Perfect. he's formidable. Well, all these things, uh, you know, the hunting techniques and these things we'll put on our Facebook page, Jackie's Hand of Horror Facebook page. But I think we've left it as a good place. We're going to get a bag of beef jerky and head to the wilderness with a lumberjack and a chainsaw. I don't see how this goes wrong. I know. And and a blanket. Yeah. A blanket. Yes, exactly. Avoid the the cold. Yeah. I I don't know. They like blankets. All right, I'm waiting till spring though. Wait for it to warm up, okay? I think it's a good idea. Right. Unless it's Bigfoot mating season, in which case, oh, uh, maybe not. But see, we don't know. We don't know there. Uh, and you know, it's a catch twenty-two. It's the uh, chicken and egg thing. We uh, we just don't know. We just gotta get started, I guess. He might be hibernating, anyways. Right, right. Yeah, because I think I think yeah. they behave. I mean, we don't know much about yeah. it, right? But yeah. I think they behave similar than bears. So, <laughs> Nuria, yeah, they they fuel up yeah. on beef jerky in the autumn right. months and steal and some blankets, are... and you know, or just grab some blankets that are around. Yeah, and yeah. they're good to go. Well, yeah, we can talk about that in the next segment about uh, hunting bigfoot hunting. in a different way. All right. Well, that's it on photographing Bigfoot. And those links and the information from our research will all be on our Facebook page. So my interview for this uh, episode was with Patrick Magee, the creator of Primal Rage, that amazing Bigfoot film uh, that I also got to have a small part in with my, along with my family and my backyard and my teepee got to be in it too. It almost sounds like Manos and my dog and my, <laughs> but um uh, I'm sitting here with Patrick McGee, and uh, most people don't know you by name, but anyone who enjoys film will recognize your work. You've done practical effects, mechanical effects. Do you call it animatronics? Uh, a par- portion of my work is animatronics. I actually don't do the actual animatronics, uh-huh. but I worked on stuff that requires that. So what are some of the, the things that your work has been in, some of the films? Uh, well, when I started in this special effects field 20 years ago, uh-huh. I was fortunate to kind of get in right when the, well, it was at the end of the peak of practical effects. So I was able to work at Stan Winston Studios, which did the Jurassic Park movies, and I worked on like Jurassic Park 3. Wow. So I got to work on the big, the big, big dinosaurs. And uh, I was mainly there as a technician doing the molds and castings and stuff. But uh, got to experience, you know, 40, 50, 60 foot size dinosaurs. That's incredible. And they had a team of, yeah, like hydraulic people and electronic people doing the animatronics, which is the movement side of it. Whereas I was with like making the skins and the molds and all that. And so, that was your first real job in the industry? Or, or, yeah, or my early career. You know, uh-huh. as a freelance guy, you kind of bounce around from shop to shop, so job to job. So I'd work in some smaller shops. We're in music videos were a big deal then. We'd work on tons of music videos. Each video could have two, three, four, six million dollar budgets. Wow. So we would do, um, you know, animatronic stuff, bodies, mm-hmm. little, uh, detailed small makeups, kind of everything. It's funny how this field, you, we can go from making like a small little nose tip 
uh-huh. to then working on a giant dinosaur, and that's kind of the spectrum of this work. That's true. So you'll never get bored. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> no, that's the point of the job. Yeah, is it's exciting that you know you're working typically on new adventurous things all the time. Yeah. This, I mean, it can be the same thing twice, of course, but uh, the fact that you can go, wow, today we're working on a ten foot dinosaur head. And then, actually, when I was at Stan Winston, simultaneously they had this Steven Spielberg's AI movie, which was all robotic stuff and small robotic parts. So then I'd switch from doing that to then working on these little small robotic part molds and casting all these little small things. So it's pretty extreme. Yeah, I like that movie. And you've done a lot of other movies. Um, What was it, 2001, you did something on Spider-Man? Yeah, that was another shop I worked for. Again, just as a hired gun, uh, we worked on the first. I worked on the first Spider-Man movie, so it was like the Green Goblin suits and Spider-Man oh. suits. So it's all again molds and castings and different parts for that. I was a part of a big group of people on that. Now, in Alien versus Predator, you built those. Same shop that did Spider-Man. I got to be involved with that. I actually, interesting story for the very first Alien Predator. You know, it was a very exciting time in the business. It was the first movie of that type where, you know, you had the Alien franchise and the Predator franchise finally merging as a movie because they were so big in the comics. And I had had uh, been a part of another project where I had my own Predator suit that fit me. So I actually got to go in early and wear a suit and wrestle around with that company's alien and get kind of shoot the first alien versus predator footage before the actual build began wow that's cool that's really cool (laughs) yeah it was it was neat uh, to see it you know see these two characters kind of together for the first time so most all this work's been with other studios uh grinch who stole christmas yeah so then yeah during uh aside from my earlier years i started kind of getting the connections and meeting the right people. I was then starting to pull my own jobs, work out of my garage, Uh and then kind of grew out of my garage and got a small industrial space and kind of grew from there to where maybe 10, 11 years into my career, I started doing a lot of stuff with Universal Studios uh, theme park and they do a Grinch Miss event. So I had to get a pretty large crew together to, to pull that off and we've done that yearly or seasonally you know in the month of december for this is my eighth year now wow okay yeah i love that movie too you know <laughs> i'm looking at all the films that you've done or been part of and i love them all but they're all so different and like you said um you know going from ai from a small piece to jurassic park big dinosaurs that's just that's just fascinating and then uh, I met you several years ago because um, you needed some uh, advice on a, on a scene for a film that you were working on that you have since completed. Um, Primal Rage, The Legend of Oma. It's an amazing uh, Bigfoot film. I've been fortunate enough to see it in the theater when you had that special release for cast and crew and, and some other folks last fall when was that that was it's already been a year oh my gosh february of 2017 that's tell us tell us you got to talk to us about this now how long were you working on that film this is your film you directed it you wrote it with with jay lee yeah um it's it's a long story (laughs) and the process was long but uh around 2004 four or five I had gotten to the point with you know again I'd worked like I said work for these other studios I'd done my own projects and I kind of felt I'd gotten to the point where I wanted to make my own monster my own specifically a Bigfoot I'd always kind of drawn versions of him ever since I was young and I you know Harry and Henderson's kid come out I saw it in theaters and then that same year the Predator movie came out like two like within weeks and Harry's a really soft, cute, nice guy, you know, remarkably well done. But I always liked the idea of kind of combining the Predator, this kind of evil, you know, warrior with the Bigfoot thing. That's always kind of been in the back of my head. Ever, You know, I was, I think, 11 when that came out. So I'd always been sitting on that for years. And then finally in 2005, I was like, you know, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a Bigfoot. I'm going to make a suit. And I got, I've thought about it. 
and I really was thinking like, you know, there's been a few movies since that movie, but not the one I wanted to see. So I was like, I'm going to try it. Like, how hard would it be to do a Bigfoot movie if I keep it simple? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you were thinking that back in back 2005. 2005. <laughs> so I actually did. Uh, I tried researching and finding really tall people. You know, I wanted to get a really tall person in it. And then I realized after a while, you know, I found a couple, but I don't know. I wasn't sure if they were right for the. They were tall. They were athletic, but I don't know if they had the right mind frame to play this thing. Can I stop you just a second because? People that don't know you don't realize how tall you are. Well, yeah, that's what I was, yeah, was okay. going to get to. I, was, I realized, like, after a while, I was like, I played, like I said, I played the Predator briefly, and and I was like, I'm the tallest person I know, I think, yes. and I'm going to be the most available <laughs> to make this thing, so I reluctantly chose to just start it on, building it on me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, in 2005, I started the design of it, and then, um, you know, and I would just work on it as much as I could in between jobs and with any free time and spare change I had to start building it. So, in, like, 2008, I was like, okay, let's do the head. And then the next year, I worked on the hands and the feet. And after a couple years, just got to the point where I built, I accumulated all the pieces to kind of assemble the first prototype suit. Uh And, you know, it was like, it was always just something to do, and it was a hobby. And meanwhile, I'm trying to develop a story for now and on. i got to figure out how to make a movie to go around this thing I'm making. Right, right. <laughs> um, so that was 2008. I started making this thing, and then it took, I think, until the very beginning of 2013, I had a completed suit. And uh, if I were to backtrack from there, I think it was around 2011, I had shared all my script ideas with Jay Lee, Mm-hmm. who you know and yes. I've known for quite a few years. He's a writer, director, cinematographer, editor, jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. And I've known him for many guy. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and done a lot of effects for his movies. And, uh, you know, again, kind of being an effects guy always and always first, and it's like you have your own ideas, but you don't have a lot of confidence in thinking they're the best or the greatest. And I remember it was like around 2011 I just kind of shared with him 10 12 pages of all these notes I accumulated and he was like oh I'm intrigued and I was like look at then I'm making this whole suit so help I needed help you know and it was like I need another person's perspective to add to my ideas mm-hmm. and boy did he add <laughs> I I left the notes with him and I said hey tell like let, let's put together a screenplay and he added a whole bunch of notes okay and then um so for a couple of years there, we developed the script. And then in 2013, I had a suit. We went out and just started test shooting it. I wanted to make sure the thing worked and what it would look like, how it would hold up in trees and branches and mud and gunk. Cause not because really you're ha- filming in the Northwest. Yeah, and in isolated areas. And so I wanted to really just be double sure. And I had the time to do that. So we went out and shot uh, some test stuff and then... Uh, it seemed promising, and I showed a lot of people, and they liked it. So then it was like, okay, now we got to figure out how to actually put everything together and make a movie. <laughs> yeah. And so that took another couple of years. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, people need to know that when they see it, and they, or any film, and when it flows, and they're not, don't have all these questions in their head while it's flowing, it's because... There's such a tremendous amount of work in there to make it look like it's simple, to make it look like it flows that way. And uh, just the dedication and time you put into this film for so many years. And visually, it's it's beautiful. I think it's a really good film. I knew it would be, but um, when I saw it in the theater, oh man, I was so excited. And I was just so honored to be just a tiny piece of that to be associated with this film and yeah i think the knee-jerk reaction especially if you you know we're it's a bigfoot movie Uh, people have preconceived idea of what that's going to be and uh that's working for and against me people are familiar with it they know the subject matter to a certain degree and the point of making this movie was to kind of throw a curveball in there and present it in a different way. Yeah. So I think it is a surprise. Um, 
And yeah, that is the that is the trick with making any movie is to try to make it look natural and organic. And I mean, this movie has its flaws without a doubt, and especially with the limited budget. But there's a lot of surprises, mm-hmm. and I think good decisions based on the limitations we had that make the movie, you know, like you said, flow and look a little much more grandiose than, than what we had to work with. And that's the dedication, you know, you your crew, your people, your actors, everybody was just so is so dedicated to this project but um it does not look like a limited budget film not to me yeah that was that was another great thing is you know by the time we came to shoot it i had had i remember like 2015 so i worked at that point 18 years in this business and i had accumulated a good group of people to help me uh-huh. And obviously, when you show people how much work you put into it, and they and if they like it, then they're drawn in, and you're able to pull them in to where you can get the best out of other people. And if you know you're real upfront with it, um, you know it was amazing. I was absolutely blown away with you know we had, we had crew maxed out at maybe ten, uh-huh. but then even with post production, which you know the, the the crew gets bigger, just people seeing the product. Um, they just everybody stepped up. I didn't. There's not one complaint, and I've been on plenty of low budget movies where it's all all complaining. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah. was like amazing. Everybody multitasked. Every you know, everyone. I mean, my the my sound guy at one point was helping us dress the sets yeah. for the interior of the sheriff station, and everybody yeah. chipped in. It was a whole total group effort, and. It's just kind of amazing, and, it, and it's, it, unfortunately, you know, you're so wrapped up into it. I wish I had more time to kind of stop and sit back and absorb yeah. it all and you really can. appreciate it, but you can't, and it's more of an afterthought, and you're like, oh my gosh, this person did this, and they did this as well, and it's like my makeup crew did the wardrobe, and then they did the props, and then they would help get craft service and make sure somebody, the actor had a hot drink, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's like that's the way, the only way you can do it, so I definitely you know, called in every favor and they were, you know, and I got everything in return for sure. They stepped up. I mean, just the couple days that you were up at my place and setting up those scenes, it was so impressive and such a pleasure to be around everybody, you know, and the way they worked together and, um, and the way that they were so kind and, and comfortable at my home and mm-hmm. you know it was it was just like having more family hard-working people though. yeah we were definitely <laughs> well we were definitely a family yes. for sure it was a small group and when you put these things together and if you got a couple bad one bad apple or just Holy one shapes. person not in line oh it brings the whole thing down so when you're working so many hours yeah so there's no room for it because we you get grumpy no matter, everyone has there are moments and you're tired, exhausted, and someone can, can, can veer off. But, you know, we had to, (laughs) every night we ended up finishing our day because we typically shot until the sun went down and then we'd go back to the hotel, shower, regroup. And it's like, well, we're all going to dinner together now. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Nobody gets to go home. Yeah. the 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 Yeah. Since we were shot. And that was a big benefit too, is that shooting where we did i mean obviously it looked great but then taking this group staying at a hotel and we're all stuck there it's like what else are you gonna do you yeah know, nobody had work. to <laughs> some of the half the time the phones didn't work so that was to my benefit as well it wasn't like they could be on their phone or i got this other job or i gotta go home i gotta go deal with this thing it's like you we're here i got gotcha. you yeah. cell service in the forest can be a little sketchy yeah so <laughs> i know that <laughs> i mean and then the whole project it Having the time, I I can say it and beat it to death, but time is so important. And that was the other thing I've seen with so many independent movies is, you know, you kind of prepare for it. But and then typically when the financing comes through, then it's a kind of a rush and go. And it just it's it, it can kill a production. But having the knowledge of working on a lot of other independent movies and seeing what was right and wrong, but just having the time that we had in pre-production to kind of figure it all out just yeah. made the world a difference well and it shows i personally i'm so excited i know you're having a um what are you calling this this release on february 27th yeah so so it's the it's not it's the theatrical release it's okay. like it's it's i guess we would call it 
a traditional release. It was. It's very lucky. It's I think in just under four hundred theaters. Wow. Uh, the catch is it's it's not a whole weekend or a week mm-hmm. or whatever it could be for a traditional release. It's a it's a one night special event for a Fathom event through. It's AMC Theaters, Regal Cinema, mm-hmm. and Newmark Theater, or Cinemark Theaters, okay. which I think they go more into the East Coast. And uh, um, yeah, Fathom Events is putting it on. Okay. They, they saw the potential it has, that's and amazing. we're getting a you know, somewhat pretty wide release nationally. I think that's just, that's great. I know it's showing close to my home, so my family uh, are all excited to go see it. Uh, I'm currently in Los Angeles, and so I'm going to go see it uh, with you and the other cast and crew that are in the L.A. area. Um, Unfortunately for this podcast, this particular episode is uh, airing like a week later, but I'm going to see you at that release, and I'm going to get a few words from you and, and maybe a couple people in the audience. Just I'm so excited about this. But after that, um, do you know yet how people can find your film? Yeah, there's a, there's a 90 day, I guess hold back is what they call it, to make 90 days from that release to where at least domestically in the US, it'll be, I'm pretty sure, a video on demand, rental. I think it'll even be on DVD. So it might be a red box rentals okay. and, or even in a store. In a store. Well, I, I have get to the fine details, but I know. So what does that put us to? March, April. So end of May. Oh, okay. It should right. be really accessible. Great. Well, and I have a Facebook page and uh, Twitter and I'll put all that information on there and keep things updated for people yeah. so that they can find you. Also, uh, I'm going to post uh, some of your uh, YouTube videos. You have a, an FX reel that's really, really good. I've shown it to a number of people, and, and uh, I like watching them watch it because <laughs> they always like go, ooh, <laughs> yeah. and they have to look away. Most people can't just watch it raw the whole way yeah. through because it's, it's kind of shocking and wonderful. So this is Jackie's hand of horror, so we got to have a little horror in there. <laughs> so now that you're, uh, I mean, you're not done with this, obviously, but you're done with the filming and all of that. Or have you, are you already thinking about another project or are you just like got to take a breath for a while? Well, both. And I've got tons of ideas. Mm-hmm. I have two and maybe a third that I'm very dialed in on. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I want to see, wait and see what happens with this to really see where it lands. And I realize, you know, this took so long and, and uh, it was such a labor of love. And again, I pulled so many favors and asked so many people to kind of donate on uh-huh. this that I want to, if, if there's an opportunity to do it, uh, another one, I want to make sure I have a little more financing and I can reward that same group because they're fantastic. I'd bring all them back and I've, you know, I'd love to do. I have an idea for a sequel. I have an idea for um, a werewolf movie. Ooh. I love werewolves. Yeah. Um, and then I have a third idea too as well. So actually maybe even a fourth. I mean, oh. I feel with ideas as an artist, <laughs> but, yeah. but a couple that I'm really dialed in on. And I've got notes on them as well. Okay. I just uh, haven't. I also want to take a breather to just sit back and just see what happens. Yeah, well, and then once that happens, that's I'll bet some doors are going to open. Hopefully, out of this too. I mean, I guess more than anything, I'm I'm prepared. I'm ready to at least have something. If, yeah. If, if some doors open up. Well, and, anything you do, let me know. I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I would do anything. Uh so um, to wrap up, I'm wondering, do you have any advice for, for people that want to explore either uh, cosplay or building, you know, doing anything like this kind of work? Well, yeah, as far as the world of special effects or any kind of creative work, and obviously this is, for me, it's like monsters or aliens or robots. Um, the only advice is, um, especially, I mean, there's doing it for fun and then there's trying to do it professionally mm-hmm. is uh, to realize, you know, it's a job and it's not necessarily just playtime, you know? Yeah. 
it's a really hard thing when you're at home and it's your own project that you're into it's really easy to just you know hours can fly by and you know you don't have a problem spending some of your own money to do this that or the other but to doing it doing it professionally you're you're a hired gun you're a commercial artist yes and that uh it might not necessarily be the most you know the, the thing you're interested in the most but you got to do it and you got to be professional so uh my advice is is to treat you know if you want to approach this thing from a working standpoint is it's a business and that um it's hard work and it's not just kind of playtime. yeah but the i think a really important thing is is to know how to do as much as you can um you know everybody likes certain elements of the work but the more you know how things work then the more you can typically you know get to do mm -hmm. and then within all that um if you can kind of know the broad spectrum of how things work is then to um focus in on one element that you probably like the most like everybody kind of you, you'll tend to gravitate towards one element and then be the best at that yeah to where you know that way you can constantly work in that little spectrum that you kind of excel at or enjoy the most um there's a lot of competition and uh i think you know I, you see a lot of i see a lot of new people's work and uh, you know there's just there's so much competition so just when you think you're good there's a there's 30 other people better yeah and so to always be competitive with yourself and be your worst critic and not feel that oh i did this look at it. it looks pretty good hey that's pretty amazing i've never done anything like that it's like no there's there's a hundred other people that are just starting just like you and they did it a hundred times better yeah so to always kind of be your worst critic i think is is really crucial um not to where you're so hard on yourself but to be realistic and realize to constantly you know better yourself is you, you got to be harsh on yourself to right. a certain degree and that's how you got where you are with your work and had the opportunities that you've had so far it's working out and i still you know i still got a ways to go a long sure. ways to go <laughs> which is as it should be yeah you know because once we're at the end we're at the end yeah and that's that's the other cool thing about art itself is that you know it never ends i mean that's just it you know you don't retire from this kind of a field um if you're an artist you're always yeah. doing art and whether it, yeah it's writing and sculpting or painting or anything music anything all art forms that's the great thing about art is, is there is no end yes and you should always kind of evolve and and progress and refine and and all those things well i can't wait to see what you do next i and i can't wait for other people to see this film so Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I'm sitting here in, in one of your workspaces. I just have to say this. I'm looking at these shelves, uh, a pile of hands, a pile <laughs> of arms. Uh, over there's a bunch of heads. Uh, there's looks like um, the girl from The Exorcist crouched down on the <laughs> corner of the room over there. Werewolves, <laughs> alien Werewolf. heads is a witch. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. This is... This is a lot of fun. I could have fun here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Patrick. And uh, we'll get it out there and, and let people know how they can see it. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. So I got to go see the world <laughs> premiere of it actually in Hollywood at the Universal CityWalk Theater, which was just pretty amazing theater on the Universal grounds. Um, Patrick was there. Jay Lee is director of photography. A lot of the cast and crew were there. And uh, it was the world premiere. And it showed at AMC theaters around the country, not, not close to everybody, but close enough that a lot of people could go see it. And then it'll be out on DVD soon, and, and I'll definitely post about how it'll be available. But this movie was really good, and it's a different kind of Bigfoot story. It's about how through the way the world has come and environmental changes, how it's affected everything in the world, including Bigfoot. And he kind of goes in a different direction and starts fighting back. And um, it's just not, not only is it just so well filmed and beautifully shot and 
and good actors, but the story has a lot of deep threads to it that stick with you even after you've seen the film. And once you get past some of the the horror, because it is a horror film and there are people getting torn up a bit, it's pretty cool. So I just wanted to say that, that I went to the film and got to watch it with the filmmakers and what an amazing experience that was. And when it does come out, I hope you all get to go see it. Can I ask you a question real quick? Um, Was it hard watching yourself on screen on big, 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 big screen? not so much now. I think just because I've been practicing at it for so many years, um, being, um, being, I was going to say a guppy, being a, what, what would I be? <laughs> kind of a model for, uh, for our friends and doing every project that comes along. It took me a long time to get used to seeing myself on camera. I think seeing myself in Monos Returns is a lot harder than seeing myself in this. And probably only because I have so much more of an investment in Monos Returns. And it's so meaningful for you. Yeah, deeply meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today on our ring finger for the things that we love, uh, we're talking about Bigfoot. And we've got Nudia Aguilar here with us again for this segment. Thank you. And uh, we're talking about Bigfoot as a protected species. And uh, we actually did a little bit of research, and it turns out that Bigfoot, uh, since 2012, has been on the U.S. fish and wildlife list of endangered species. It's actually a protected species. Cool. Yeah. I find it interesting how um, there's laws in California about how you cannot hunt Bigfoot or any other creature that's not on their list. Um, However, as far as what I've read, that it is perfectly legal to hunt them in Texas. Yeah. As long as you're on private property and you get permission from the owners of the property or if it's your property. Well, I looked at too, but then I looked at the dates and that was – that was 2012, and then also in two, late in 2012, that's when Bigfoot was put on the fish and wildlife list. So I don't think I think after that point so, it was no longer legal. Uh, okay. So but that was before that. So now it is um, not so legal at this all. This may be awkward, but I read that article, and I don't think it was a real article. I think oh. that was a joke article, like a, a satire. Oh, the one about hunting them in Texas. No, the one about them being on the U.S. federal fish and wildlife protected. Yes. How about the 1975 list being officially recognized with the Army Corps of Engineers? Uh, I didn't see that one, so I don't know. Yeah, in fact, uh, they had, I mean, I don't know. That's funny. I I tried to, to look back on that one, and it sure looked real to me. Damn fake news, fake news. It just, it sounded weird to me. So I read some of the comments and some of those people said it. So I like Google searched the name of the alleged spokesperson Ah. and she doesn't show up ever again attached to any other thing. So so I'm not sure that's real. But there still may or may not be this 1975 thing, which may or may not be true about yeah, a creature that, was that may or may not exist. Corps of Engineers, so that wouldn't be necessarily national. Uh, but it did say for the Army Corps of Engineers, they were showing their booklet, uh, and they're, it, it's described in the Washington Environmental Atlas, it says, as standing as tall as 12 feet and weighing as much as half a ton. <laughs> covered in long hair, except for face and hands, and mm-hmm. having a distinctive human-like form. Well, I'm going to have to do a little more research on this because, you know, I, all these different things we're reading. Yes. I mean, the, the thing with it being legal in Texas and not legal in Washington and, and California seemed legit. Um, all, all of that stuff seemed like it was for real. Like a state law thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but I, I, what I found interesting about it was I thought it kind of revealed a sort of 
um, intrinsic difference between um, the thoughts about hunting in Texas versus the thoughts about hunting here on the West Coast? Because in both cases, it was because Mm -hmm. this animal isn't mentioned, then dot, dot, dot. And in Texas, dot, dot, dot is feel free to kill it. And out here, dot, dot, dot is please don't kill it. You know what I mean? I did catch that. I did catch that. I was thinking the same thing. And, you know, and here's one of those times I go, yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a fifth generation Texan. What am I going to say? I'm not a hunter though. Exactly. I wasn't to say that. I'm not a hunter. hunter. Uh I wouldn't shoot anything. I definitely have more of the mindset. Well, in my personal case, it would be either I would be terrified by seeing him, spotting him in a place where maybe I am just, hiking or fascinated so he's either horrified or fascinated with the bare existence existence mm-hmm. of him just just by being able to spot him yeah right. 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 not being like let me shoot it yeah exactly. unless you have a camera correct yeah. <laughs> i agree i just oh. picture hunting Picture hunting, yes. yeah, and I feel yeah. that way about that, that it. I'm saying horrified as well. So maybe someone who is carrying a gun just for self-protection or survival reaction might hit him, yeah. shoot him. Yeah. Oh, oh sure, I. I could totally forgive someone for accidentally shooting a Bigfoot because they were freaked out. Go. It's just more of the trophy hunting of Bigfoot that I'm like, why? Exactly. Don't do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People. Like mount the that hands and feet, or <laughs> sit around with his cigar smoking buddies, <laughs> and a and a snifter of brandy. <laughs> oh wow! No kidding. Right. That's why they right. hide from us. Well, wait till you all see primal rage. Oh man. <laughs> Man, oh man. Nice. <laughs> so, so good. Hi. Today's episode is on the the subject of Bigfoot. And I've got Aradia here again for our pinky section. And Aradia, say hi. Hi! Oh, that's a good Bigfoot voice. Awesome. Good way to start, honey. <laughs> I love this kid. Love this kid. Apparently, Bigfoot said hi, apparently. Apparently so. And you know what? Because of where we live in Oregon and the Northwest, that's where Bigfoot is from. Did you know that? Did you know, Aradia, did you know that Bigfoot doesn't live all over the place? He only lives in a few places, and we live in one of those places. Oh, my gosh. And I I don't mean like downtown Dallas, the town you live in, or even Falls City, the town I live in, but out in the forest, out in the woods, they say Bigfoot's up there. Oh, where um, Grandpa goes hunting? Yeah, well, where yeah, where people go hunting, yeah. Like grandpa. Like grandpa. <laughs> so, what do you know about Bigfoot? What have you heard? He, um, some people believe. I read a book on um epic about Bigfoot. Yeah. And um, and um, it says, um, so. Um, one person one time, um, well, he was out in the woods, he heard something, so he took a picture, it was, um, a strange shadow, like a monkey, but a person. Oh, but, uh, like, really big, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's happening. In this, uh, in this, uh, episode of this podcast, we're, uh, we did a segment on, uh, how to photograph Bigfoot, how to get good video. Because, you know, for some weird reason, nobody ever seems to get a good picture. I don't get that. What do you think's the problem? They just, he he does hide behind trees. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's been out in the woods a long time, so he's probably got a lot more skills than most human. Yeah, but some people think he was, um, 
one of the um one of the um oh the like way back in the uh he, he some people think um he's a human uh-huh. but he just ran out into the word words woods to live his own life you know oh, i like that honey you know there's a lot of us that would like to do that these days yeah he some people think um he he wanted to go in the in the woods um because as he all he wanted was the um live free life no one bossing him nothing i get Just, it Running out the woods, just fishing, being cool. That sounds awesome. I want to do that. I kind of do too. Yeah? Maybe we'll go camping one time and, well, hopefully Bigfoot won't bother us. We'll just hang out together or something, right? Bigfoot, both of us just hanging out. Fishing. I like it. I like it. Perfect. Probably Probably Bigfoot hasn't hasn't even been fishing before. We could teach him. <laughs> there you go. Well, he's probably hasn't seen a pole before, but I bet he fishes better than uh, most people. Like he grabs a pole and starts whacking the ground with the pole. <laughs> like it's a whacker, yeah. It's a whacker. <laughs> well, that's. I really enjoyed talking Bigfoot with you, honey. We're going to end for now on this episode, but uh, we will. Let's let's really talk about and think about going camping. Maybe not to see Bigfoot, but just to go hang out together. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. All right, sweetie. I love you. I love you, too. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Okay. Uh... Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Jackie's Hand of Horror. For links and more information on the fun and sometimes horrible things we discuss, please visit us on Facebook at Jackie's Hand of Horror. And that's Jackie with an E-Y. Thanks again for listening today and special thanks to the great people who come together to make this podcast possible. My co-host, Tanya Atomic and Rachel Jackson. And also, Greg Talley, Ron McAdams, Natalie Ryan, and the rest of the crew at the Revival League podcast. Join us again in two weeks for another Jackie's Hand of Horror podcast.